We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, I am talking with Natalie Frank, an author, community builder, neuroscience nerd, and mama bear for small business. As one of the founders of The Rising Tide, the chief evangelist at HoneyBook, and author of Built to Belong, she leads tens of thousands of independent business owners while fostering a spirit of community over competition around the world. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you're here. I have like an internet crush on you forever. And I feel like I never get to like, I've like, I just feel like I know you more than I probably really do. Oh, well, I feel like we, we operate in similar spaces. We operate sort of in uh, like this, I don't know, like this online ecosystem. And I likewise, I've always just felt like I wish we lived next door. I feel like we would yeah. be like, can I borrow butter? Yeah. Are you making yeah. <laughs> true? Like I just happening. Um, but uh likewise. Totally. Yeah. Um, so as you know, we start every episode with your rose, but in your thorn. Uh so what is yeah, what's your rose today? What's feeling good? Oh, I would say my rose today. Okay, I, can I go a little silly on on this one? Um I would love that. All right, I'm gonna just keep it real. My rosebud today is uh, press on nails. I <laughs> have spent most of my life never having time to truly, you know, go and get my nails done. And sitting there, we can probably dig into this. Gosh, with the enneagram, uh, mm. sitting there and getting them done always feels this is gonna sound terrible, like a slight waste of time. And I am like <laughs> impatient. You know, most people are enjoying it; they're relaxing. I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go. I got stuff to do." Uh-huh. So I've discovered. Really cute press on nails. You can buy them from small business owners on Etsy. Yes, not just from big brands, but actual mm-hmm. like um, individual creators that hand paint press ons. And they are oh so gosh. darn cute. And I can apply them during meetings with my camera off. Sorry, colleagues who are listening to this, <laughs> uh, but it's great. So that's my little my little rose. My rose today is you know I feel like it's my my version of self care. I can keep my nails looking good and I can do it on my own and I don't have to um, skip it because I don't have time, right? I can actually do it. I can make make it happen. So I'm loving it. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you can get them from small businesses. Yes. Where there is a will, there is a way. I will always try to find a small business alternative. So uh, yeah, you can get them on Etsy. So if anyone, and if you have questions, y'all just DM me on Instagram. I'm, I'm ex- experience, experimenting with this and learning along the way. So happy oh, to share. I love it. Uh, what is your, what is something you're looking forward to right now? Oh, looking forward to, you know, I, I would say uh, there's a lot of really exciting projects that we have on the horizon for 2023 at HoneyBook. And one of them just being the sort of kind of reemergence of in-person events and conferences that I feel like the last two and a half years I I have had missing from my life. And that's a huge part of who I am. I love spending time with people um, both digitally and in person. And so I've had the digital down. That's been great. Uh, but I've been missing, you know, the other half of that equation. So I think I'm really looking forward to 
more events popping up uh, in the coming months and heading into 2023. Oh, I love that. And your thorn, something that's a little bit prickly. You can be light or deep about it, whatever works for you. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be really um, honest <laughs> with this one since we went silly with my my first one. Um, you know, it's been prickly lately. So speaking of in-person events, uh, the return of travel has been great. And I love traveling. But for the first time, you know, I have two little kids at home. And mm-hmm. uh, it definitely complicates the experience of traveling, both from having a three-year-old that now really is where when I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been tough to kind of navigate some tears with that and and like on his end, like actually missing mom. And then, of course, you know, when you hear that, it's, it's like a knife to the gut. And then on the flip side, too, being an Enneagram 3, navigating other people's opinions of being a working mom. Uh, who mm. travels and whose job takes her on the road and takes her around the world. And, uh, you know, a lot of negative opinions that kind of come with uh, my job and being away from from my kids that, you know, I'm learning to navigate. So it's kind of a two-front challenge, right? Uh, and it's felt prickly. And I haven't quite known how to navigate it yet. Uh, but I'm I'm just doing my best and trying to, mm-hmm. you know, that I mean, really, that's all I can do. But that's the truth. Yeah. I am so glad you said that. I was literally so I've I was literally filming a vlog yesterday and I was talking about how next week I'm going to Bali and I'm going to be gone for 2 weeks. And I'm feeling really excited but also really sad and I feel like I'm like like I'm grieving the time I'm going to get not have with my family. But at the same time I'm so excited to go have this experience by myself and I I think that for me, at least that's something I really value. And I'm like holding that tension and it feels so dramatic. I'm like, it's two weeks. Like, I feel like I'm being so dramatic about it, but it does feel like every, especially when you're kids with kids, like every moment seems so intense and so important. Mm -hmm. But also like we want our kids to see us like being awesome. You got it. You got it. I think the most helpful thing that I've ever been told in all things hard in life is that it can be both mm-hmm. and like cultivating space for it to be both. So you can be both excited for something beautiful that's happening that you've worked hard and, you know, like it's, when's the last time? Have you ever gone to Bali? I haven't. I mean, mm-hmm. my gosh, this is such a, a, a dream, right? You can hold that in one hand and then also mm-hmm. simultaneously hold like that comes with these additional things that are hard. It can be both. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that with me too. I feel less alone. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt when you said it. I was like, oh, this is so, that's so good. Um, so, well, we know you're an Enneagram three, but how did you find the Enneagram? How did you discover your Enneagram type? Did Was it fast or did it take you some time? Yeah, so I actually heard about it through you, which I'm not just saying because I'm on the Yay! podcast. I'm being- <laughs> that honest. I heard about it through you. And this was back well before, I mean, the account took off. This was like a long, long, long time ago. I remember you talking about it, I think on Instagram, I believe at the time. And I was so intrigued, but, um, you know, in terms of actually figuring out what I was, it's, it's interesting. So I took the test and the test tied me for three and seven. I was a straight Mm -hmm. tie. I think I actually think it was literally a tie for three and seven. And then um, this, I think the other twos that were kind of high were like two and four, right? So I, um, 
you know, at first glance was like, oh, well, then I guess I, you know, I didn't know anything about the Enneagram. I thought I'm a three and I'm a seven. I must be both. I, <laughs> uh, you know, didn't really know how it worked. But then I went and uh, I remember, I feel like you had said, you know, the one of the best ways isn't, isn't actually the test, but it's digging in and really reading about the type and trying to figure out, um, you know, when you read it, what sticks out to you. And I remember mm-hmm. reading the seven and feeling like, you know, I think this is who I strive to be. I think there's a part of me that desires to be this description that I'm reading. But then when I read the three, it felt like someone had electrocuted me. Like I felt <laughs> like, ouch, you know, like I was oh. reading the unhealthy three and I was like, oh gosh, like mm-hmm. who's inside my body right now? Who's inside my head? Like who who is uh, that aware of, uh, you know, what keeps me up at night and what holds me back? And so- um, you know, and also, I guess what makes the some parts of me that are great, great, right? Like I, you can see it, you can see it both ways. And so, the three for me felt very visceral, and I think that's when I started to realize, okay, uh, there's something to this, you know. And and it it captured, I'll be honest too, like it captured something Enneagram in general, but it captured something within me that I don't think I'd ever really touched in any other type of personality test. Mm-hmm. It felt more honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas other tests, I feel like you can kind of look at somebody and go like, ah, they're an introvert or they're an extrovert. You might be wrong. You might be right, but you get pretty close. Whereas with the Enneagram, um, you know, you you can't do that. That It doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. It's like very much you, an honest conversation you have to have with yourself. And so as I was having that honest conversation with myself, the three definitely um, hurt, man. It really did. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is like something so – fascinating about reading your type on the Enneagram. Like it's like part of me felt like I've never felt more known and Mm -hmm. that feels good. And then the other part of me felt like I've never felt more known and that feels really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I I would like to like just hide under the bed covers for a little while and pretend like I didn't hear this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ethos. Now, if you're hearing this ad, I've got good news for you. That means you're alive. So you've still got time to get life insurance with Ethos. With Ethos, you could get life insurance in 10 minutes for as little as $10 a month. Unlike other companies, long, confusing, and outdated application process, Ethos' 100% online application takes only minutes so you can get back to living. Ethos has no medical exams, just a few easy health questions, and competitive rates from top-rated carriers. Ethos is affordable and convenient. Here's the thing, friends. I do not like to make a phone call. I think if you are in my generation or younger, you understand the pain and the agony of pulling my phone up, calling a number, and being afraid that they're going to lock me into some weird sales grift and I'm not going to be able to get off the phone. That's why Ethos works for me, because it's just all online. You go on, you fill out the form, and you are good to go. Join the thousands of satisfied families protected with help from Ethos who have given the company a 4.8 star rating on Google reviews. Every year you wait, life insurance premiums increase by 8 to 10%. Get a free personalized quote at ethoslife.com slash egram, spelled E-T-H-O-S life.com slash egram. Go to ethoslife.com slash egram to get your free life insurance quote today. Ethos Technologies Incorporated operates in California as Ethos Life Insurance Services, not available in all states, and prices subject to underwriting and certain health questions. 
fascinated really how your Enneagram type is kind of intersecting with the work that you do. So can we, can we first kind of lay the groundwork for your career journey? Because it's been kind of quite the, the rodeo, like quite the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit about my career journey. So I started my career as a photographer, a, a wedding photographer all through college. I was building that business. And then when I graduated, I took it full time. And I absolutely loved being a full-time wedding photographer. I still am a photographer. I just don't do it professionally anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved being able to capture other people's lives and really truly capture them the way that I saw them. Like, Kind of have mm-hmm. that ability to control uh, the visual and, and really bring out the elements of someone that I wish they saw when they looked in the mirror. You know, empowered, mm-hmm. strong, confident, uh, in love, happy. And there was so much of that that I baked into my work. And then additionally, I am in a world that feels so transient and uh, so fleeting. I loved the fact that what I did froze something in time forever. It actually Mm -hmm. created a legacy that I believe would outlive me. And that felt incredibly earnest, you know, in a very deep part of myself where it's like, and maybe we can connect this a little bit to being an Enneagram 3 and caring a lot about, you know, the way things appear there was something really special about doing work that mattered uh, more than just the visual work that I knew that one day when, you know, people didn't know who the heck I was, they'd forgotten me. I was nothing but dust. Like Mm -hmm. the impact of what I had made was still here, right? Like Mm -hmm. something that I did on this planet truly mattered. And I always, um, and I know it's very cheesy, but I always Mm -hmm. imagined a little girl like a hundred years from now holding a photograph of her great-grandparents or her grandparents that I took and actually looking at that as like, this is when my family began. Like, I don't, maybe she doesn't even know those people, but she can see what I tried to capture from them, right? Like that joy or that strength or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And so that was how my career started. And I loved it. And I had, I had a lot of success in growing that business, but then I found it to be incredibly lonely. And I found Mm -hmm. the success itself and the pursuit of that success to be sort of at odds with what truly felt meaningful to me. And Mm -hmm. it almost felt like, you know, the higher I quote unquote climbed, the more alone I became. And um, I recognized that that, you know, very much was, uh, to put it uh, directly, was going to kill me um, if I continued to pursue it. Like the isolation, Mm -hmm. the, and I don't say that hyperbolically, I, I mean it very genuinely. Like I, recognize that doing something alone with so much pressure and so much stress and so many eyes on you, you know, it, it really does weigh on your mental health and without mm-hmm. community, it, it can be, um, it can be really detrimental. So back in 2015, after I had been full-time in this business and growing it for several years, I started to open up about that loneliness and I found that other people felt it too. And so mm-hmm. I co-founded a community called Rising Tide and it was our small attempt at trying to, you know, chip away at this loneliness that I think so many of us were feeling and to recognize that one of the barriers to true community in the small business world is competition and how we view one another mm-hmm. as competition and how we compete rather than, you know, cheer for one another in so many different ways. And so Rising Tide was born on this idea of community over competition. And it went from a single meetup in my hometown to hundreds around the world. Mm-hmm. That led me to HoneyBook, where I work today. Um, and I kind of pivoted from, you know, being the photographer to building the community for photographers to seeing that community was one way of supporting 
the industry that I cared so much about, but also there was this opportunity to leverage technology to kind of eliminate this operational friction that for so many business owners was was also leading to that same feeling of burnout and mm-hmm. you know being drained by the very thing you've dreamt of. And so um Honeybook, you know, became sort of that next step in my career path and over the last 7 years, I've almost 7 years now, I've I've been a part of the Honeybook team and um, supporting on the community side and and now stepping into a new role as chief evangelist where I am really excited about this opportunity to step into more of a mama bear role for our community and really Mm -hmm. advocate and champion for um, an improvement to what it means to run a small business because it is one of the most extraordinary things, you know, I've ever done and so many people have ever done. And yet, you know, there's so many challenges. There are so many hurdles that I truly believe can be fixed. I don't think the way things are is how it has to be. And so I want to see what what we can do uh, at HoneyBook and then more collectively as a community to really change, you know, whether it's, you know, tax legislation, whether it's mm-hmm. um, the lack of healthcare and that being a barrier for mm. so many people to actually go full time in a business. And um, I think there's a lot that can be done, right? And not overnight, mm-hmm. surely, but I, w- I want to be a part of, of trying to help change that. And so, yeah, a wild career journey from photographer to building community to working in tech, uh, writing a book amidst there somewhere too. I mean, yeah, a lot, of, a yeah. lot of things. And, you know, I... Natalie, I don't think you know this, but I use you as an example a lot when I'm teaching the Enneagram and I'm talking about the lines of stress and rest because that three energy is actually like a very competitive energy, like on its own, like untethered, uh, you know, without any personal growth, like at its rawest form, the three character, not you, but the three character, it it seeks competition. It's looking to win. It's it's kind of paying attention to who's alongside them and if where they're in comparison to them and what do they need to do to stay ahead and not get left behind. And it doesn't always like, it's not very conducive to community at times. But that six energy, which is where threes go to and rest when they feel safe, when they feel, you know, when they're seeking safety or when they are allowing safety for themselves or, you know, peace and rest it can look a lot like that six community building energy. And so I um, often use your, you know, your type and then your job as like this example of what it can look like for a three when they're allowing themselves rest and allowing yourself to kind of like put down that guard Mm -hmm. because it's almost like in the antithesis to what the three character wants you to do. Now that I know. So what I can say (laughs) is that I know I, and actually, um, I remember my friend Mary Morantz, she was also a three. You know, she asked mm-hmm. me point blank, like, how how is it that, you know, you've dedicated so much of your life to community when threes were very competitive? Like you've almost flipped the script on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, I think I think a lot of us can relate to the fact that sometimes the things we struggle with the most, right? Are the mm-hmm. very things that I think we can bring a unique perspective to. And, and contribute to in a larger capacity. And so I am a very competitive person. But And I wrote about this a little bit in my book. I think as a child, um, I felt very much this need to perform in order to be seen and in order to be loved. And I'm realizing that I treated life like a performance, whereas as I've gotten older, I'm fighting to instead treat it like a playground. 
Mm. I'm instead trying to strip away all of those narratives that told me I had to be the best. And instead, mm-hmm. I am allowing myself to suck at things for the very first time. Yes. Um, right? And, and and that feels so uncomfortable. And I actually shared mm-hmm. this in a in a video um, not that long ago. And I, I got some messages that were like, wait, you're telling me your whole life you really didn't know that you could suck at things? I'm like, no. I didn't. I thought if I sucked at it, then I had to let it go, right? I never imagined mm-hmm. that it would be okay to be bad at something and for people to see you visibly being bad at something. And that's a very three, like if I'm not the best, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it, you know, unhealthy side, right? Um, but I think I think part of growing up for me, you know, I like, I like the perspective of it at rest. I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, I think for me, just from my lens, it's like I, I try to be self-aware and I try to acknowledge like, hey, here are spaces in my life before I even had the Enneagram as a tool through which to kind of help view myself and view my unique psychology. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I, uh, I've i got a lot of space and I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. I've got a lot, of, a lot of places I need to work on within myself and things I'd like to better understand about who I am. And so for me, you know, seeing that competitiveness and then saying on one hand, okay, how do I channel this in a good way? Which in the book I wrote about through the lens of, you know, not competing with others, but instead um, for me, really looking at it as how can I be better than the person I was yesterday? And I will caveat mm-hmm. with saying that is not a call to over hustle or burn out or, you know, sell like strive in the pursuit of being, again, the best. Mm-hmm. For me, it was always about, you know, actually maybe even identifying those things and saying, okay, well, maybe the best version of me isn't the one who's getting the gold medal. Maybe the best version of me is the healthiest version of me, the, the version of me that loves mm. myself right? For who I am and not for who I hope people see me to be. That Mm -hmm. again, like we talked about, sees life not as a performance, but as a playground, a space where you can experiment and be be open and fail and make mistakes and and grow and not be right, but but instead be constantly learning and and uh open and soft and crumbly and vulnerable. And um I'll stop there with just saying that uh yeah, a lot of the work I do today I think is because I've identified areas of my own personality where, you know, I'm like, either can I channel that for something good within myself or do I have to actively every day pursue a life that that kind of uh, softens the rough edges a little, like mm-hmm. that challenges the unhealthy, you know, parts that that I've experienced throughout my personal development journey and and ensures that I stay on course, you know, and, and stay mm-hmm. earnest to – to who, to who I am um, when I'm healthy, right? When I'm at rest, when I'm taking care of my soul. Hmm. I love that you define healthy as taking care of your soul. I think that's a really beautiful way to, to phrase that and to think about it. And something that you said earlier is like um, being crumbly and like being mm-hmm. vulnerable. And I think that that's something that I see you do so much is really open up and be willing to just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go there. Like when we hit thorn, you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just going to tell you what's actually thorny for me right now. And I think about how rising tide started kind of pre-authenticity internet, like before authenticity was being demanded of us, like Mm -hmm. you kind of took that risk. Yeah. You know, I, and actually I, it's funny. I, uh, we didn't mention this kind of in the intro, but I do think a big part of that was, uh, and let me back up for saying, you know, all of us are icebergs, right? Like you see 20% mm-hmm. of us that's above the surface, but there's 80% beneath that no one without maybe the exception of like a partner or a very, very close friend ever really gets access to see. And mm-hmm. I think on on the top of that 
whether it's rising tide or the larger industry or just business, you know, owners, gosh, even today, like that 20% for a long time always felt like it needed to be curated. And I would even argue that as of today, um, what we have is not true vulnerability, but a curated Mm. version of it, right? Like we Mm. call it whatever we want to call it. We were calling it, oh, someone's more authentic. And look, like there are very authentic people on the internet, but a lot of, you know, maybe 80% of what I see is is carefully crafted versions Mm -hmm. of vulnerability that are just palatable enough to be perceived as authentic. Mm. Whereas, you know, whenever we see true vulnerability, it still isn't greeted oftentimes with, um, you know, support and encouragement. Like I, you know, I think about Mm -hmm. gosh, being on just scrolling TikTok for five minutes and it's just, it's fascinating. But um, Mm -hmm. all of that to say like, yes, I think it was a point in time when um, there definitely was far less of it. And the trend was to be perfectly curated to a fault, you know, like the grid had to be perfect. The way you were presenting yourself or your business had to be perfect. Your brand had to be perfect at all times. And I was going through a lot under that, you know, 80% of the iceberg under the surface. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor in my early twenties. And, um, that really shifted things for me, that Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And then, you know, that, when that preceded rising tide, uh, not by much, but, but by about, you know, what, maybe a year, year and a half, Um, Mm -hmm. and so that really shifted things for me. I think I I started to realize that like all, all these like external measures of success that I was trying to have and hold onto and show to the world, like whether it's on Instagram or gosh, even my college diploma, like none of it actually mattered, um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, and when you're kind of faced with that realization of, how short your life is and um, you kind of have to come face to face with the truth of it all. You know, you are different on the other side of it. So much so that perhaps that's why I test sometimes as a seven, you know, like I know Mm -hmm. I'm a three. I am a three. I am absolutely a three through and through. But Mm -hmm. I think after that diagnosis and after my brain surgery, I started to live life a little bit more spontaneously. I started again, like the playground mentality. I started to challenge Mm -hmm. sort of um, the tendencies and the motivations that are like deeply inherent to to kind of grow as a person, and so um, some of that had to come through in the form of of trying to show up differently, trying to show up in ways that didn't feel so comfortable, and um, you know, sharing about my diagnosis and sharing about the complications after my surgery, and and not really sugarcoating it or. Sometimes that even means just not showing up. Like more recently in life, I don't show up every day on social media anymore. And an earlier version mm-hmm. of, of Natalie would have died. Sarah Jane, oh gosh. <laughs> if you had told me, you know, like I'm not going to post to Instagram every day, I would have been like, I'm sorry, you failed. You failed. Yeah. I would have truly believed I had failed and not instead seen this definition of success mm-hmm. changing in a different season of my life. Like by Natalie's mm-hmm. definition of success back in, you know, 2012, 2013, you're right. Looking at me today, I would be failing. But by my definition of success today, um, it, it looks different. It, it's you know, it looks far, far, far different. And as a result, um, I'd say I'm I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. What is your definition of success today? Yeah, I think you know my definition of success today, if I'm being very, very much honest, is to go to bed and, and to close my eyes at the end of the day and to sleep well. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is like know that I lived with integrity, know that Mm -hmm. when I felt – and as of late, especially in the last couple of years, this has been the 
distinct personal challenge, but in moments where I felt like, oh, I really want to say something and that Indian Yarn 3 pops up with like, oh, but what mm-hmm. are other people going to think? Like, did I move forward on on wanting to say something or wanting to speak up or wanting to do the thing that I feel in my heart I, I'm supposed to do? Or did I allow uh, my ego to get in the way or my fears about what other people think to get in the way or, you know, whatever it is. And so when I live a life of integrity, I can go to sleep at night very well. And mm-hmm. that is my definition of, definition of success. And so sometimes that looks, you know, like – showing up and working really hard and doing work that I feel like matters and speaking up on things I care about. Sometimes that looks like taking time to rest and not show up and be, be you know, just with my, my family offline, off the internet and check out. Because to me, again, it goes back to that, that inner compass of like, you know, how am I going to sleep tonight? How am I going to sleep, Nat? Like, how are you going to mm-hmm. sleep tonight if you do X, Y, or Z? And so it comes down to really, I think, zeroing in on on uh I love that that's such a like clear touch point to what does integrity mean to me like how, will this keep me up tonight will I feel like I'm settled with myself enough to rest mm-hmm. Natalie I love talking to you so much <laughs> thank you for taking the time to be here is there anything lingering for you before we hit rapid fire questions no I I'm ready to rapid fire let's do okay. it okay um, this is the soundtrack. It goes dun dun dun. <laughs> um, the first book that comes to mind. Ooh, first book. Uh, oh gosh. Well, now that you said that, I'm like thinking of different books. Okay, okay. I'm gonna be honest about the first book that came to mind. Mm. Y'all are gonna judge me. Um, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Okay. Why I'm thinking about it though is because it was the gateway drug to. I think now I'm at like sixty fiction books that I have read since January. It's something obscene. And I won't even put them all in Goodreads because y'all will really judge me if you knew half of them. Um, (laughs) But they're so good. So yeah, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. You have created an addiction within me and I love reading now. Again. I love that. I read that entire series. Yeah, I did too. I read all all her books except uh, I'm I'm saving uh, Throne of Glass. I'm saving it. But I've read Crescent City and yeah, the whole Accord series. Oh my gosh. Okay. And a favorite song. Ooh, um, sitting by the dock of the bay. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Something you wish people knew about you. Oh, gosh. I wish that people knew. I think just how – I wish people knew how much I really loved them, like mm. loved people. And, and I mean that. I think sometimes my kindness, I think people are waiting for the other shoe to drop or they, mm. you know, have been been hurt in relationships or – they're just waiting to be like, there's no way Nat really cares that much. Um, and I wish people could see my heart, like could actually look in and mm-hmm. see it and see that it is not crap. It's not <laughs> like I'm not messing with them. I have no agenda. I genuinely love people um, and I, I want to see them win. And so I, I guess I wish there was like a transparent, like you could just like look in and see my actual internal self. Um mm-hmm you know, and could see how much I love them. That's what I wish. (laughs) Um, Your dream day, what are you doing? Oh, dream day. You know, honestly, today is pretty close. My dream day, I'm going for a walk around my neighborhood uh, with my husband and my kids. We're getting coffee at our favorite little local spot. Uh, We're looking at the water, looking at the the sailboats. I live in Annapolis, so it's a very coastal little town. Um, We're 
coming home. We're having breakfast, avocado toast with an egg. Of course, that's my go-to. Um, another cup of coffee because why not? And <laughs> you know, just hanging out, like hanging out with my family, going to a farmer's market. We've got one locally that we really like. Um, just finishing up dinner with like my in-laws and my mom and finishing it, you know, just like overlooking the water again at sunset, like that kind of local, small, quiet, beautiful existence that uh, as I get older, I love more and more. Oh, yes. That's so good. Your final meal, what are you eating? Oh, soft-shelled crab sandwich, hands down, uh, with preferably sweet potato fries. If not sweet potato fries, I would swap in a good substitute for uh, chips with Old Bay. So mm. that's mine. What do you dip your sweet potato chips in? I mean, your sweet potato fries. Sweet potato fries, I love honey mustard. If they're mm-hmm. really well-seasoned, though, I'll eat them right as is. But a lot of the times, they're not well-seasoned. So honey mustard is my favorite. What about you? That's fair. Are you a sweet potato fries person? Okay. I I don't love sweet potato fries. Here's the thing. I it's okay. think they're it's imposters. Okay. I think that they're a, sweet, <laughs> they're a dessert that is trying to act like a savory food. And I see. I my see. taste buds are not a fan. But – when I do, I like to dip it in like a something spicy. I want like okay. the spice to like get to the other side of it or something. Respect. But I like sweet potatoes as a dessert, like as something sweet. Because I just want them to be honest with me, you know? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, where well, – oh, what's some food for thought? Something you want people to walk away thinking about today. Okay. This is what I want you to walk away thinking about because this has been on, on my brain uh, – a lot. Um, so I want people to walk away thinking about how they define courage. That's what I want people to walk away thinking about. And and maybe an extension of that is success as well. I want I want people to kind of take a moment to step back and think about, you know, how do you define courage in your life? What does it mean to show up gutsy and courageous today? And how does that perhaps look different from the definition of courage that you see being portrayed out in the world? And I'll tell you why I want people to walk away thinking about that. I think a lot of the times in life, we create this picture in our minds of what it means to be successful, to be this you know, amazing version of us, and we're defining all of those characteristics by somebody else's measuring stick and somebody else's definition and somebody else's example, right? And I have come to believe at 32 years of very limited wisdom uh, that true courage looks different to each of us. And For one person, that courage might look like scaling Mount Everest, but to another person, it truly might mean just getting out of bed in the morning. And Mm. that is is equally courageous as that person who is, you know, being revered as the world's best mountain climber. And so Mm. I want to encourage folks to just take a moment to think about it, to really think about like, when do you feel like your most courageous self? What are the moments that, you know, you truly have to make the conscious choice to push forward or to do the thing that scares you? And to acknowledge that it's okay if that looks different for for you than it does for somebody else. If that means showing up to something like a rising tide meeting terrifies you, the very thought of walking into a room of people you don't know, um, but you've chosen to do it. Like, is that your definition of courage? And are you really giving yourself space to celebrate that? Or are you trying to intellectualize your feelings and and mm-hmm. discount right that level of courage? Is it choosing to get up this morning? Like, is that for you? It, has it been hard for you? Is that courage to get out of bed? And if so, are you really giving yourself space to honor that? That's what I want people to think about as we close out today. 
because I just don't think we we've really given ourselves the space to to celebrate who we are and the courageous decisions we're making every day. And we talk about comparison, but we rarely talk about it through the lens of of what it means to to be courageous and to really honor ourselves, right? Natalie, I think that that's something I've never heard put that way before. And I love the thought of like honoring our capacity, honoring our courage, honoring what is brave to us. Um, and it, honestly, you reminded me of like back when my husband and I first started, like I think we just got married and people were, I was going on a trip alone and I was getting a lot of compliments for it. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was like, I actually, so I have a, I, I work through having an avoidant attachment style. So independence is like easy for me. Like mm-hmm. that is, that is the easiest thing. Relying on myself, doing what feels good to me, being self-sufficient, easy. Commitment, trusting another human being, um, letting them take care of me, very, very, very difficult. And so having people say like, wow, that's so brave for something that like wasn't brave for me at all. Like that's actually like the easiest thing in the world. Whereas like the staying was the brave Mm -hmm. version of me. And so sometimes I think we don't even realize like when we, when we define bravery based off of what would be brave for us, we might think people are being brave when they're actually just being safe. Mm. Natalie, that's so good. Um, All right. And how can we keep in touch with you? Where I'm everywhere. Your- I'm everywhere, yeah. Sarah. I, mean, I, I would say, you know, Instagram, TikTok, um, hang out with me at a rising tide meetup, you know, shoot me an email if you want, uh, <laughs> Natalie at nataliefrank.com. Or it, again, you know, I work at Honeybook too. If you're a small business owner, you, you need, need some help with operations and creating a really amazing client flow. Shoot me an email, natalie at honeybook.com. I'll help you there too. Mm-hmm. I exist in all spaces and, um, like I said, I, I if I ever can be of of service to anyone who's listening to this in any way, shape, or form, whether it's you know small business life, whether it's navigating a difficult diagnosis or going through infertility, which I've gone through, we didn't even mm-hmm. touch on that. I mean, mm-hmm. just know I'm here. I exist everywhere. Come find me and uh, strike up a conversation. Mm. And friends, Honeybook wise, like. I, if you've ever been to one of my Enneagram summits, Honeybook literally held me together during yeah. those, just like helping me to send out reminders, get emails out to people, automating so much of what I would have had to do individually. It's a life changer. Um, and we'll link Honeybook and Natalie's book for you down below as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I could talk to you about life forever. It was so good. Mm-hmm.